Doctor Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. It's Tuesday for Rochester Today. Tom Ostrom is here. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Andrew. Well, we've got a... Actually, we have quite a bit to talk about today. So maybe we should just get to the mailbag right away. Okay. The inimitable Branko. You know that old saying, Andrew, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it is a duck. So Branko has a cartoon with a duck quacking and walking. So the duck, and he says, oh, no. <laughs> if it walks like a quacks like a duck, it's a horse. <laughs> Obvious uh, reference to the recession discussions. Yeah, the White House is denying the recession that we're in, according to traditional definitions. Yeah, I hope we have is not hope a we recession. Have, hope we have time to talk about that later. <laughs> and then Branco again. It shows Xi, the China president. Uh, standing by a fence that says U.S. military keep out. And he's standing by it in his fur clothes with a deed for U.S. farmland in his hand. And then he's got an earpiece connected to an electronic device where he's getting information from that air base. Uh, And then he says, uh, I'm for uh, using farmland. And Joe Biden's standing next to him and says, I'm pro-farmer. And he's shaking hands with she and holding a money bag that uh, he and his, hun- his son Hunter have allegedly profited from in China. <laughs> so <laughs> that's Branko. <laughs> and then to from the point. Phil. Uh, yeah, gosh, he's on top. And then from Phil and Linda. Um, they were at an institution uh, a few days ago. And he said, we spoke to a hog farmer from Iowa. We spoke of the forced organic fertilizer issues in Sri Lanka and Ghana and, uh, and, and the Netherlands, uh, outlawing chemical fertilizer. The Iowa farmer told us that he took an agriculture class from at Iowa University and the professor said, that if a country went only to organic fertilizer, the country would have to determine who has to die. That it isn't a choice between organic fertilizer and chemical fertilizer, that we need both for the complexities of U.S. agriculture. And then uh, Linda sent me an education on fertilizers, chemical and organic, uh, what they are, they do, the plus and minus of all of it and blood meal and fish emulsion and kelp and urine and cottonseed and manures and then the chemical the the uh, chemical fertilizers are human made and the organic are, are natural and biological terminology and I got a good education and I understand what that farmer meant and so we got politicians in other nations fooling with these things that they know nothing about that's, that's- the meal thing. And that's something new, huh, Tom? <laughs> well, uh, the what the Green Revolution of the 1960s was um, fueled by the chemical fertilizer. The use of these new fertilizers 
in agriculture boosted agricultural production to the point where we became the breadbasket of the world and able to feed the entire world. So it's it's uh, it's frustrating to say the very least to hear about um, these pushes for quote unquote purely organic farming uh, and without even remotely considering the impact that it'll have on quite literally the poorest people in the world and their ability to even have enough food to sustain themselves. Whether or not we pay more for it at the grocery store is a whole nother issue, but for the many parts of the world, it's a matter of survival to have that wheat and that corn shipped in a timely manner and the abundance needed to, to keep people from malnutrition and starvation. We have to take a break already, so we'll do that. We'll be back with more of Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell. It's Rochester Today here on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Introducing the 2022 Rochester Golf Card. Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back, everyone. Rochester Today. We're going to switch things around a little bit, Tom, considering what's happening in the world and discuss some foreign affairs international news uh, maybe get to the minnesota news and others a little later in the program is that all right with you that's just fine because it's important and we need a lot of time on it and and uh it's ongoing i guess at the top and of the list is the whole nancy pelosi taiwan business that's right here, uh, uh, President Xi had a two-hour conversation, evidently, with Joe Biden. I don't understand how he could converse that long. That is Biden. And and she evidently was very, very angry about the possibility of Nancy Pelosi visiting Taiwan, increasing its uh, credibility. And he made threats and that could be and uh, could even be military. Well, uh, Senator Tom Cotton uh, said that the leak of Pelosi's trip to Taiwan came, uh, Taiwan came from uh, uh, from the White House, and that things were literally up in the air as to whether uh, Pelosi would land in Taiwan. But uh, I find that very interesting, and and uh, in this case, uh, her stubbornness I think is uh, to be applauded because the idea that Taiwan thinks it can tell the United States where its politicians and diplomats can visit, I think is outrageous. Here we got China buying farmland when most countries don't allow that and, and telling us what to do, but, but taking our farmland uh, and then telling her this. Well, now the Chinese are saying, well, we pray for her if she goes to Taiwan. She's a sinner anyway. I wonder if she's he's referring to her issues with the Catholic Church. But... Uh, and then the Chinese released video of missile strikes and uh, and, and uh, issued another warning and uh, a grim message to Democrats. And but but uh, the United States is in a tough position there, and China's belligerent anyway. And to let China decide where our officials go and can visit, uh, they don't like the idea of Taiwan being called sovereign. They think it's part of China, but. The United States deals with Taiwan and, and trades with Taiwan and even gives it military uh, equipment and support. So will this inflame tensions with China? Well, it should because Ta- China is getting arrogant, getting dangerous. And China said we won't sit idly by if she visits. There'll be repercussions. Uh, 
but and Biden shouldn't play with fire with whatever Biden's having to say about it, whatever Pelosi is. This is really an interesting uh, geopolitical and diplomatic event, Andy. It's a very dangerous event, too, because uh, the Chinese have taken their rhetoric up to a point where if they don't do something, then they'll be called on for failing to do something. Uh, and then, uh, once again, if we don't do something, if there actually is a threat to the Speaker of the House, <laughs> yeah, I would, as you pointed out, a very complicated, tricky, interesting, and dangerous situation for both countries. And going back to the phone call between President Biden and Xi, uh, this is the part that perhaps is most disturbing to me. This isn't the first time this has happened either, that the Chinese leader has used these one-on-one discussions to, I I guess the term is harangue the President of the United States. Um, And that's at least according to the Chinese, because the Chinese seem perfectly ready to immediately release their their version of what the conversation was like to their media and the world media and get their points across, including what I would term the insulting tone of uh, the discussions while we are at foggy bottoms or whatever you want to call out the, um, our diplomatic corps seems, I don't know, they don't seem to have much of a response at all to what, the Chinese president has to say, other than we're no policy change, we're sticking to the one China policy we've always had, and we stand by uh, Taiwan. Uh, well, it's more than that. How about how about um, I go address that? I wouldn't want our country to address with more inflammatory rhetoric. I wouldn't want that, but at least address what Xi is trying to push across that he is somehow talking down to the United States. That's just my opinion of it. I, and I, I'm not sure how you would do so diplomatically, but there must be there must be some pretty good wordsmiths out there that could address that part of the issue and, and make it seem as if we're less impotent in dealing with this because the way it's being played up uh, with, with what the Chinese are releasing about these conversations, it seems as if... Uh, Biden is getting chewed out by the Chinese president and has doesn't have much to say about it. Well, they have no respect for uh, President Biden, but either do some of the European leaders. Some of the things they've said about Biden's ineptness uh, and health, uh, whether Australia or France, uh, they, they know the situation. That's why the United States cannot let China tell us where our diplomats and politicians and ambassadors go. Here, when they're arrogant enough to be buying up our farmland next to a U.S. Air Force base, uh, in some countries that won't let China buy up farmland. So uh, uh, the stubbornness uh, of, of the White House and of Nancy Pelosi are to be welcomed this time. I think <laughs> Pelosi has already been Singapore prime minister and uh and she's going other places too so uh it's uh, it's, it's, uh, it's worth watching andrew well we uh, definitely will watch it and talk about it when we uh get together in a couple more days and the dust is settled <laughs> now, hopefully i don't right. literally the dust is settled yeah yeah well and then they're telling the u.s navy they can't be in the south china sea and uh 
international waters. So they need to have a pushback and call their bluff, which Trump would do. Well, uh, whether Biden is or people behind him are or Nancy Pelosi is acting more independently on her own uh, remains to be seen. Well, maybe she isn't. Maybe she is working in concert with the Biden administration because in the water, we have greatly increased our military presence in the South China Sea in response to the inflammatory rhetoric of the Chinese. So we have projected force. We have, uh, I can't remember exactly how many aircraft carriers we've sent over there now, that they are in a position to do something if something happens. Well, and then we have this chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Milley, who behind Trump's back gave Chinese a heads up on his worry about Trump's policies and mental stability and that the Chinese should deal with him. To me, that's absolute treason. And when you got that guy running things, I can imagine the Chinese think he's in their pocket. They think Biden's in their pocket, given Hunter Biden, his son's uh, 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 financial dealings with them. And they need a big pushback, these these Chinese, or they're just going to get worse. We already got North Korea threatening South Korea again with with missiles. And uh, we, we just can't uh, we, we can't be uh, weak uh, in our foreign policy dictators uh, or we're going to make Xi think he can invade Taiwan if we're weak. And uh, this will give him another thing to think about. But, you know, the other aspect of this, Tom, is how much of this is being presented the way it is being presented for the Chinese people themselves um, who are very, very nationalistic. And to have their supreme leader um, seemingly talking down to the president of the United States, uh, maybe this is just a big play for domestic stability on his part. Well, he's got economic problems and he's uh, capitalism has strengthened the Chinese economy and he's trying to push it back, being a pure communist thinker. Uh, But he needs a pushback himself because the world is afraid of him. They won't even talk about the concentration camps and the oppression of of, of Muslims there. And uh, uh, even the Pope sometimes seems to capitulate to China. So uh, he needs a pushback and I'll credit the administration for doing it. I don't know who's putting the spine in Joe Biden. uh, Or uh, Joe had said earlier, this is not the time for this. This isn't the time. But who's in charge? uh, And I would would guess with her background, it's Pelosi who's in charge. And she's going to challenge things. But uh, anyway, it's kind of of interesting. Kind of, yeah. Very... uh, It's very concerning, let's put it that way. (laughs) That... We're ramping up all these tensions all at the same time. We have the Ukraine war still going on and at a, That's right. an effective stalemate at this point, although I do believe the Ukrainians are ready to mount an, a, a counteroffensive in the south while they have yeah. the Russians more or less stalled in the east. Yeah, uh, that's, in the meantime, that's right. but I would be more bloodbath. concerned. I'm I'm more concerned if the United States capitulates to China, uh, not that they're challenging China, but uh, but but the Chinese showed their attitude uh, right off the bat when Biden first got, got into the White House and the Chinese met 
U.S. officials, including the Secretary of State in Alaska, and they they made fools out of our officials the way they went after them. So again, they they need to push back because it'll just get worse. Anyway, hope nothing more serious comes out of it yeah. than China backing off a bit. Well, I hope it. I hope it's limited to a war of words, or even an economic, you know, economic sanctions or whatever it may be. I hope there's no. I hope there is no actual military moves that take place over this. Although it's being threatened well, by the Chinese. True. Yeah, we do have true. to. Tom, we have to take our break for news already. So uh, mm-hmm. we'll be back in just a moment. And continue with more of Rochester Today with Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell, and uh, this is Rochester's News Talk, 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. First, we decide where we want to go. Then This Tuesday morning, Tom, you uh, you mentioned off air you have some more international news to discuss. Oh, gosh, we get to yes. some other stuff. And you alluded to the Ukraine, and I'd like you to revisit what you said because we have more on that but in the past year china investors purchased six billion dollars worth of property in the united states when other countries banned china from doing that because they were pushing up home prices which is going on around here too in the united states so there's an affordability crisis for housing in cities and the chinese are exacerbating that and Governor DeSantis in Florida is saying, I don't think the Chinese should be able to buy the property and the homes and the houses that they are, and they don't occupy them. They just have them there. And then property adjacent or military bases. And these companies that are in property investments have ties to the Communist Party. And so it has to be watched because Chinese investors have spent uh, – billions more on residential properties across the U.S. Uh, and Canada, by the way, has a severe housing crisis due to Chinese investors accumulating homes. And and uh, these practices have led to restrictions on Chinese real estate buyers. DeSantis is concerned about that. Canada is concerned about that. New Zealand is having trouble with that. What are the Chinese up to? They're, they're everywhere. Well, that's all I have on China. Okay, but this that could be a result of the weakening Chinese economy and the people in China who have this money to invest overseas and the ability to do so, buying up American real estate, which has long been the stalwart of uh, of uh, economic investment. That you can, you know, it's a it's a dang safe investment. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's switch over to the Russia Ukraine war. Um, what we were talking about few weeks back that the analogies to the trench warfare of World War One are becoming more and more realistic with this conflict. Uh, the precision U.S. artillery that's been added to the Ukrainian arsenal has made it very, very difficult for the Russians to make any significant advances in the East. Uh, the Ukrainians have skillfully used these weapons to take out uh, you know, fuel and munition depots and disrupt the supply chains for the U. The U. Or I'm sorry, the Russian troops on the front, which has made it very difficult for them to uh, move forward and continue to hold any ground that they have moved forward. And now the Ukrainians are saying they're readying a counteroffensive in the south to retake the first Ukrainian city that fell to the Russians, which happens to be a port city, 
which uh, would be a huge symbolic victory for the Ukrainians. Yes, and another thing the Ukrainians are doing, using some of this advanced weaponry that you mentioned uh, to destroy bridges uh, by strategic rivers, uh, uh, and and that is uh, by the destruction of those bridges, uh, Russian troops are confined uh, uh, to their uh, geographic sites. They can't get across these rivers, and so that means supply problems and mobility problems. And uh, the Russians are having to resort to uh, uh, landing craft and and mobile bridge building, and that makes them even more vulnerable. So the the Ukrainians are stepping up a notch. But then in response, it seems that the Russians have lobbed a number of missile strikes and artillery strikes at civilian targets and have caused horrible casualties in the schools, apartment complexes, office complexes, even food processing facilities. Right. A strategy I, I do not understand that you would lay waste to the very resources that you're trying to take in a war. I don't uh, understand what the Russian strategy is at that point, but it seems as if this is going to be a long and drawn out conflict. I don't see any end in sight yeah. anytime soon. And that's not good for the world, well, right? I, especially not for the no, Ukrainian people. It isn't. But I think what the Russians are up to with civilian strikes is a war of terrorism. If they absolutely destroy the infrastructure and uh, kill and isolate uh, uh, civilians, uh, that's a terror and cost structure that they think might make the Ukraine capitulate. And uh, then there was a strike where uh, Ukraine's uh, prisoners of war were hit. Uh, and and that uh, that's, uh, is that a war crime? We'll see. And then, but now the Russians are fighting back on another front. And as you know, uh, the Russian is a, is a threat to European in the winter and and European power grids. You've explained the power grid issues that even the United States and elsewhere. The Russians are uh, are doing that, and this, a Swedish expert says that uh, a Russian shutoff of gas to Europe means higher prices and could, could uh, collapse the electrical grid. And so the Russians are fighting back at different levels. Yes, they are, and uh, I think their strategy there is to try to sway public opinion towards the leaders of both France and Germany to moderate their support for the Ukrainians. But on the other hand, if the Russians keep bombing civilian targets, it's going to be that that usually brings up support for a continued military effort to keep the Russians from victory in this case. So it's it's a multi-level chessboard and, and, and how it's going to end up, I couldn't even guess at this point. So with that, let's take a break. And we'll come back and we've got uh, well, we've got a ton to talk about. Let's put it that way. As we continue <laughs> with more of Rochester today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. This is the Family Service Rochester Mental Health Minute with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. It's Rochester Today, Tuesday with Tom Ostrom. So, Tom, I don't know if you've heard about this, but Facebook and some of the other social media giants are now fact-checking if a person refers to 
the ongoing economic situation as a recession. And that includes economists who have posted on these social media sites using the most commonly held definition of a recession, which is two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth or economic retraction. Um, And then the the Biden administration's response to that news, which is understandable because I'm sure that they don't really want to be talking about a recession right before a a midterm election, but it is what it is. And they can argue that, oh, it's more complicated than that. You have to look at all these different factors that is used by this. um, I can't remember the name of the organization that makes the official determination of whether or not a recession occurred. But that, that's maybe a year to a year and a half away, and it's a look back at what did happen, not what is happening. So the idea that mm-hmm. somehow somebody having a discussion about the nation's economy and making a claim that we are probably currently in a recession as it is traditionally been defined needs to be fact-checked and labeled as possibly misleading or partially false for whatever strange thing is happening out there in the the world of Facebook and Twitter and all these social media giants. It seems, once again, Orwellian. Right. The world it's, today. It's more, it's more liberal attempts to control the language definitions and therefore control thought. And that's what they're up to. They're, they just don't accept reality. But the Chicago Bears know reality. Mayor Lightfoot's uh, kill ratios in her city uh, are, are up again. Uh, and the uh, Chicago Bears uh, are rejecting Lori Lightfoot's promises to uh, improve their stadium because they want to abandon the crime-ridden Windy City for safer suburbs. And they're buying up land elsewhere. Uh, and they they think the crime uh, affects their and 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 people going to the game. So they're they're buying some land uh, northwest of Chicago uh, to move out of the city, and uh, the mayor's trying to prevent that. Well, I imagine it'd be a major uh, embarrassment for her administration to lose the NFL team that has played at Soldiers Field for what. 60, 70 years? Yeah. Maybe longer yeah, than well, that, even, if I think about it. I'd have to look back, but yeah. Yeah, well, I think George George Hallis, the coach, I think the Chicago Bears practically initiated uh, professional uh, NFL football. Yeah, they and uh, the Green Bay Packers, I think, were among the originals. And Oh, well. But yeah, yeah, that certainly would be an embarrassment for the mayor of Chicago to have that happen on her watch. Yeah. Well, I don't know how she stays in office with the killings that are going on there and with police actions. They can't chase people on foot and uh, the car chases have to be uh, uh, monitored. She well, don't like stop and frisk, you know. Um, all I can say is that's Chicago. Yeah. Chicago politics, trying to hey. figure that out. The other uh, big news that we haven't talked about so far was last week. Um, Senator Manchin 
and Chuck Schumer get together and work out a deal. And they call they, this is uh, they they now call it what the Inflation Fighting Act or something like that instead of Build Back America or one of the other uh, names. This massive piece of legislation has had since Joe Biden first took office and they started working on it. But it's it now appears they may have enough votes to get it in the Senate. That's four hundred and thirty-three billion dollar spending bill now that's got to make the inflation situation worse because that spending is one of the causes of it but of west virginia the senator that's blocked democrat policies on climate and tax hikes uh, evidently capitulated and gave schumer a victory mansions up to uh, i don't know what they got on him or promised to give him uh, remains to be seen but that was a surprise it certainly was and it certainly according to um, some analysis of this plan that has taken place since it was announced, and one of them was done by one of these nonpartisan offices within the federal government that tries to uh, work up what the tax impact would be. And this analysis says it will cause tax increases for many Americans who earn less than $400,000 a year and those making less than $200,000 a year. And this after the president and the Democrats had said that they would not enact any tax increase that affected people earning $400,000 or less. And of course, now they're not accepting the analysis and trying to (laughs) wordcraft uh, ways around that pledge. But even over in the House, if it does get through the Senate, there are questions of whether or not it can get through the House because it contains a number of provisions that are favorable for fossil fuel industry uh, interests. And there's well, talk that, that, that those... Yeah. I'm sorry, Tom? No, you go ahead. I interrupted. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Um, that There's some talk that perhaps those in the House who are very fervent on the climate issue will reject that part of it and refuse to vote for it. And there's also, because it is a huge spending bill is what it is, uh, that there is some displeasure over what was funded and what isn't funded under this bill and whether that may cause even some House Democrats to peel away and not support it. So its passage is not guaranteed by any measure at all. And uh, so far, the moderate Democrat from Arizona has yet to say whether she would vote for it either. Right. She was always with Manchin, and we'll see if she rebels against him. Although you mentioned fossil fuel gift that they got. Uh, That's probably what they gave Manchin because West Virginia is a coal state, and Manchin and family uh, have made lots of money uh, off the coal industry in their own investments. So maybe that's the little tilt they gave Manchin. And like you say, that would irritate the uh, anti-fossil fuel and climate change fanatics. And there was some talk of some loosening of regulatory aspects as far as issuing of permits for energy-related projects. And that would be both, quote-unquote, green energy and fossil fuel energy. Uh, but that's still nebulous. Nobody knows exactly what that means or when mm-hmm. it will come about. But I, 
I find most ironic the labeling of this package of bills as the inflation and inflation attack or anti I can't remember, but it's purported to be a way to reduce inflation and all of these groups that have done analysis of say say that's just complete malarkey. Sure. That that, it, that it's a spending bill up front followed by a huge tax increase and that five years out it will result in a modest reduction in the deficit. But there is no way that'll have any impact on what's happening with inflation today, tomorrow, next year, or even the next year. Right. Right. In fact, this bill will enhance uh, inflation if if government spending enhances yes. it. Yeah. At one, well, I kept I, I forgot who it was, but a congressperson wanted to introduce a bill that uh, the people before voting would have would be required to say they read the bill. And some of these bills are so multiple paged uh, complexities that uh, members of Congress admit that they don't read them or haven't got time to read them before the vote, and they they trust their staff members to tell them what it's about. So. But anyway, I doubt that a, a bill requiring them to read the bill would pass Congress either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think that'll pass for sure. I think uh, closer to home, Tom, that uh, I think you heard about this as well. That I think it was in Illinois that a large hospital group in Illinois had to settle with a bunch of its workers who uh, were let go because they did not get the COVID vaccine. Yeah, you wonder. Uh, and and uh, a court said that they had to be reimbursed and rehired the people that were fired because they didn't get the vax. And that's going on uh, in Minnesota. Alpha News uh, settlement reached for healthcare workers in a lawsuit over the vax mandate. And if they get that, that payback uh, uh, return, you wonder would that impact on Mayo Clinic? I, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, not just with Mayo Clinic, all these other large employers who impose these requirements and then kind of unevenly applied the religious exemption policies. And I think that was the basis of this case uh, was that some people were granted a religious exemption and others were not. And then the question being, why not? Uh, and, and then what criteria was used to decide which religious exemption request was um, more plausible than another person's? And they're, they're, I believe the settlement was $25,000 per affected employee, uh, those who were let go, fired. And then those who went and had the shot under pressure because their religious exemption requests were denied will get around $3,000. And I think the overall settlement is over $10 million for this one yeah, particular right. healthcare group. And you're right. Uh, North, that, Shore, uh, North well, Shore University Health okay. System is a Chicago-based system that got nailed. And then and they also have to rehire the people that they dismissed because of all this beside paying them. So. Yeah. And if that is any sort of, it was a settlement. It wasn't a court order or a jury's decision, but even settlements have an impact, especially one of that size. Uh, the workers were obviously uh, um, compensated if they get their jobs back at least. 
And uh, I know we're only down to about a minute or so, Tom. Uh, yet another Minnesota um, pregnancy center has been vandalized. Yeah, the uh, Minnesota Vag- Vagrancy Center was was vandalized, and Minnesota and nationally should be doing something about a, a Northfield Crisis Pregnancy Center attacked last Monday uh, uh, horribly. And then the Minnesota DFL has accepted $250,000 from the soft-on-crime billionaire Soros. Uh, the DFL party accepted that. And uh, the left-wing billionaire has uh, sponsored the hiring of, uh, of, of left-wing prosecutors and secretaries of state. And the DFL State Central Committee got that money uh, in January. So uh, that's a hefty contribution and influence. All right, Tom. With that, we have to depart for the day and wait until Thursday to continue our discussions. I Look forward to chatting with you in a couple days. Uh, Me to you, Andy. Thank you. All right. Tom Ostrom with us this morning. It's Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. This is Twins Territory, and your Minnesota Twins are heard here.